Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to All Together, the Family Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. So when we go and try to picture the ideal family, we what do we usually find ourselves steering towards? Well, this is apparently a different image for everyone, every individual, depending on how they grew up and how they see themselves now. Uh, This has been a topic that's lately been on my mind, and what I used to see as a family is very different to what I see as a family now. Last week, we spoke about the changes in who we are, who we see as our family. This week, we're talking a little bit more as to why our understanding of family has changed while also looking at the changes in family dynamics as we ourselves get older. I brought a very good friend and fellow podcaster to have on the conversation on the changes of family dynamics. Um, please welcome um, Gabriella Giusto to the show. It's uh, Gabriella Yastra, sorry. Yastra, I'm so sorry about that. That's I okay. keep messing it up. <laughs> I think I've said that before and I've said it wrong before. It's okay, I just want anyone listening to know how it's said. Okay. So they can know for the future. Okay, perfect. Um, so how does it feel to be on the other end of this this time? <laughs> it feels really weird because um, I'm like, I don't have any of my like um, normal things up. That's like, this is what we're going to be doing next. Yeah. I haven't like <laughs> thought everything through. Yes. Um, it's going to be very off the cuff, I think. Um, but I think it'll be fun. Yes, I did send you the questions. Hopefully that will help a little mm-hmm. bit more. I did have a think about them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did not take notes. Okay. <laughs> Well, we'll go off the cuff. We love that. We've had that last week. We've had that a few weeks before as well. And mm-hmm. it's always so much more fun when it's completely whatever you think of. And mm-hmm. I love when it's not planned as well. So that's mm-hmm. good. Um, so we're talking about family dynamics mm-hmm. in this episode. And so how do you feel that you can contribute? Like, how do you feel about the whole idea of changing your family dynamics? So I think that, um, are we talking about like within the family or are we talking about more historically, first of all? Um, I think we'll start off historically. Okay. So um, I think that, so so, hi, I'm Gabriella. I don't, I'm not an academic in anything. So um, everything that I kind of think of is kind of um, brought from like things I've listened to, things I've read. It's not necessarily based in anything like academic or like any studies. So first of all, I would like to say that I'm not an expert. (laughs) Um, So this is more my opinion. So what do I think of like the changing, uh, the changing family dynamics through history? I think that um, we used to sort of have a more like um, a larger family group, you know, aunties, uncles, grandparents, Mm. um, that, um, and then during, I think the 1950s or so, we kind of shifted towards this nuclear family Mm that, is what I grew up with and is what I'm used to, but I don't necessarily think it's like the best way. It seems very, and this is something I've sort of noticed um, with particularly um, in today's society, you need like two parents income to like 
run a family to like have enough money to like buy a house to like pay bills and send kids to school Mm -hmm. but you need more than two full-time parents time to look after kids so it's become very hard I think to like look after kids and also provide for them Mm -hmm. um and in a sense I actually um was part of that because I was an au pair so I had um I was looking after these kids because the parents were busy working mm-hmm. and they didn't have time to look after their own kids. And I found that a really weird thing. Cause like, why would you have kids if you couldn't look after them? But at the same time, how can you look after kids if you don't have enough money to provide for them? So I think that that is, um, and I think that's where like the historical, like larger family group where you can have multiple family members looking after kids, but also mm-hmm. multiple family members providing for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's something that we've maybe lost um, in this, uh, kind of like nuclear family idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. It's interesting you having that perspective, especially when coming of the au pair and sort of having that little adventure in life mm-hmm. and sort of seeing it in a completely different way. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. Like when you talk about children, like people being hired to take care of kids mm. and just seeing that, okay, well, like you said, like, okay, so you, you have kids, but you can't, look after them it's very interesting Mm. and it's a lot of judgment on a lot of sides where it's like okay why you have kids when you can't Mm. look after them yeah I think it's hard because on one hand I think particularly at that age I was a little bit more judgmental (laughs) um so I was very much like I came to the end of the the experience and I was like why would you have kids if you can't even like spend time with them to look after them yeah and I think that's too judgmental because not everyone has the opportunity to to do to to spend time with them like it is hard we live in this society we live in this world and it's it's hard to you know provide everything that you want for the kids not everyone has not everyone can have like one parent who works and one parent who doesn't work um or can have two parents who work part-time and afford everything that you need Mm. um and for me, that's something that um, I've thought about um, if I wanted to have kids. And I've kind of come to the conclusion, amongst other things, I don't want to have kids. <laughs> kind of for that reason. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that I've lost my th- train of thought. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I, yeah. like, especially when it comes to the like whole idea of um, like you, you want to income. You want your kids to have mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. So which means sacrificing a lot of other things which means both parents working jobs or both Mm. parents working multiple jobs in Mm -hmm. fact like in order to provide for the kids that and give them that life that you want them to succeed in because it's Mm -hmm. not cheap in this day and age yeah I think it's gotten a whole lot more expensive to Mm. be able to have that whole white picket fence kind of ideology as well and I think raising kids even like financially even emotionally is really difficult yeah so I think that would be a very big task of anyone in this day and age especially Mm. to sort of go through and I also don't want to say that like getting help to look after your kids is a bad thing I think that everyone needs help yeah Um, I just think that and not everyone has family that they can go to to, for help Um, my family I didn't grow up around my family so we had helpers Mm -hmm. um, who looked after me and my brother as well Um, so I'm not necessarily saying that it's bad. I just find it interesting, I guess, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely find it. It's it's a very different dynamic to what everyone else is used to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like saying, like, 
everything is dependent on how we grew up and our mm-hmm. whole understanding of family is very dependent on how we grew up mm-hmm. as well. So I think like I think for me, like I was raised the same way where it's like my grandparents looked after me when they couldn't or mm. um they flew in from other country from another country in order to look after us for a little bit while mm-hmm. we were settling into a new place and my parents were working. So mm-hmm. it's a very inter different dynamic for everyone to mm. have to go through. Yeah. So before we get dive deep into it, more than we already have, yeah. um, we're going to do a little icebreaker. Mm-hmm. As you know, for sure, we're going to go through different sections of things. And mm-hmm. first thing that comes to your mind, yep. we've had a little practice of this yeah. <laughs> as well. So, all right. So the first one is your favorite book. Okay. So um, I've previously spoken about my favorite book on a different podcast. So <laughs> if you want to find it, go find, uh, oh, and I forgot what podcast it is anyway. Um, but I'm going to yeah. go with a different book this time. Okay. So this is a book I've just, uh, or it's a series of books that I just finished reading. It's not my favorite, but I did really enjoy it. So it's The Reckoners by, uh, Brandon Sanderson. So it's a series of three books. Mm-hmm. So previously I'd read Brandon Sanderson's books, the Mistborn series. They're very like high fantasy um, type thing. Um, And I I sort of went into The Reckoners thinking it was going to be the same thing. It was actually a more post-apocalyptic type book series, which I found really interesting. Yeah. Um, Kind of similar to a few other books that I've read, but um, I'm always happy to... I guess um, I don't mind when things have slightly similar themes because they're still very different stories. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the book, in the books, um, what happens is that um, this thing has happened and um, just random people in the world have like these superpowers. Okay. Um, but they're also all like crazy megalomaniacs <laughs> um, okay. who just like kill people indiscriminately. And this is basically what happens after, this is basically the world after this. And this one guy who's like, um, finds this group who are trying to take them down. And, um, but I just found like all the characters very... Um, I don't know, like, um, not, not real. I felt them very funny, I guess. Okay. They were funny. They were kind of relatable, kind of not relatable. A bit more casual, I felt, than the other Brandon Sanderson books I've read. Okay. Um, and um, I don't know. It was just a fun read, honestly. Okay. Um, I love fun reads. <laughs> no, it's nice. I love post-apocalyptic kind mm-hmm. of settings as well, especially, yeah. I think... I hate to say it, but after COVID, it really got an interest in me, but in every aspect, uh-huh. whether it's like a movie or um, a book, it's just so much more interesting now because you're like, that could actually happen at this moment. <laughs> I feel like I'm the opposite almost. Like I was really into like post-apocalyptic before. Okay. And I had, I don't think I've read any many like post-apocalyptic movies after it just feels i started watching the last of us and it feels yeah. almost too real yeah <laughs> i'm like oh man like no thanks oh i think i watched um love and monsters mm-hmm. and that was like i think it was on netflix and it mm-hmm. was just so very real like this okay. could actually happen zombies could actually walk monsters could actually kill us mm-hmm. we don't know what could happen in this day and age <laughs> <laughs> and it got so I I think I made a whole playlist for my friend of post-apocalyptic movies to watch and I included like World War Z and all of that oh, stuff yeah. into it mm-hmm. and I did a whole marathon on my own <laughs> so yeah post-apocalyptic is now probably one of my favorite genres uh-huh 
that I look for it in every bookstore that I go to now. I think I'm the opposite. I'm like fantasy. I'm like, I have to escape this world, this (laughs) post-apocalyptic wasteland that we currently live in. (laughs) And I need to like find some fantasy world where everything is not necessarily good, but like, um, I guess just magical. Yeah. Okay. So back to 2019 kind of era. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So next up is your favorite movie. Okay. So... Um, I don't really have a favorite movie, but I thought I'd um, have a brief talk about. Um, so I mean, what I what last night I watched uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, and the mm-hmm. day before I watched. Um, oh, I forget forgot which one it is. Oh, Wakanda. So Wakanda Forever. Okay. Forever. Um, and they were enjoyable, but honestly, I don't know. I th- feel like I'm getting a bit over Marvel movies. Okay. Is that okay to say? Yeah. 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 I think I'm over this generation's Marvel. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I... I think it's getting really complex now. Um, I think that um, we're just getting lots of extra characters who are based on the same characters. And maybe we just want new characters. Yeah. I don't know. I did really like Division though. Yeah, that was good. Um, and I think just a slightly different format is really was really fun. Yeah, I love that they're doing shows now. Yeah. I think that's added a whole different... Mm. aspect to it which is cool yeah but yeah um and i guess in some ways the marvel movies are like one big tv series that has gone over 10 years yes it's it's pretty much our whole childhood yeah has been marvel i don't remember a day without it um i mean like i as my childhood was definitely like the pre-marvel mcu okay marvel yeah like the old x-men x-men animated series which i'm also watching right now (laughs) Um, all of those types of things. That's what I was really into, but not the MCU type of thing. Cause that happened just when I finished high school. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I love the X-Men. So yeah. they, I could watch those movies a hundred times and never be bored of it. So yeah, yeah, I love them. All right. So how about your favorite podcast? Oh, so I've, I listen to so many podcasts. I don't, again, I don't think I could pick one. Yep. Um, one that I've been really, or two that I've been really enjoying recently is, um, two podcasts about My Chemical Romance. <laughs> so they're called My Chemical Fancast and also Honey This Podcast isn't... I think it's just Honey This Podcast. Okay. Um, it's based on a song title. Okay, yep. Um, and so they basically... So My Chemical Fancast basically talks about... Um, so far they've been just going through all the albums and dissecting the like songs, like three songs at a time. Okay. Um, and like going into like, you know, how was it recorded? What does it mean? What have they said about it? Um, so something about my Kamal Kromans that I really love about them is that um, they build story into like the actual s- songs mm-hmm. and the albums. So it's not just like, oh, I broke up with my girlfriend or yep. um, this bad thing happened to me. It's like um it's based on their real life experiences but it like moves through in a story i guess so okay um you can draw so many things from it in that sense um Mm -hmm. yeah and then honey this podcast is more of a dissection of um the cultural impact on queerness oh wow okay Um, and so a couple of podcasts i've had a real trouble listening to because i just don't understand the theory okay (laughs) but some of their other analyses that i really enjoyed were like their dissection of gerard's um clothing in the new um concerts that were happened in 2022 okay um and just like how um what it means i guess okay 
Yeah. So they're really dissect going into like yeah. what each of the items mean and more or, like, the... more about the overarching theme okay. of what it means. Um, and that was just one episode. Okay. So they've got lots of other episodes, and I thought it was just really interesting um, that this band that I've been listening to for like 15 years now. Oh wow. Just gives me so much more. Like they're just continually. Um, I just keep discovering new stuff. It's really interesting how there's a whole community yeah. that really go ahead go ahead and dissect it in a way that I mean normal people who like other people who listen mm. who don't listen to them wouldn't understand. Yeah. And they've really dived deep into it. I think that they they have a lot there to dissect. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily just about um, I guess the relation like who they are, but it's about their imaginary worlds and what they want to say. Yeah. And I think that's something that they've always had, which was they wanted, they had a message to say, mm-hmm. and that's what people still go back to them for. Um, but I mean, also, I think that I'm I'm into this one specific band, so I know a lot about this one specific band. Yeah. I'm sure that there are people who are really into other musicians and other things that have this same level of, like, detail and yeah. dissection. I just don't know about it. Oh, yeah. They're... And that's something I love about just, like, learning stuff is just, like, there's so much out there. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I've found so much is um, the amount of Harry Styles podcasts there are now. I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> like, it's so, there's so many mm. that just dive deep into every outfit that he wears to every award show, everything. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole episode just based on, like, one outfit, a whole episode based on the other outfit on the same night. And I'm okay. like, How? <laughs> Like, it's not that deep. Yeah. See, I mean, I completely, uh, in one sense, I completely understand what they're doing. And on the other sense, I don't understand at all. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know anything about Harry Styles. So, for me, he's just, like, some random singer yeah. who used to be in One Direction. Yeah. Like, how deep can his outfits be? Um, <laughs> on the other sense, like, I just talked about Gerard's outfits. Um, so, Gerard Way, the lead, lead singer. Um, yeah. And, like, how, like... The outfits that he were wear, he was wearing in the last um, thing are really they're really meaningful, or, mm-hmm. or at least a few of them are really meaningful. Um, like the old revenge outfits that they wore to the when we were young concert, okay, um, festival, okay, <laughs> where they dressed up in like their old old costumes, yeah, um, but like they did prosthetics to make themselves look like really old men. Oh wow, okay, and it's like a dissection of the what the whole cons what the whole festival meant because it's like bringing back all these stuff from like the 2000s and like trying to relive that experience oh, the wow. nostalgia but then okay. them doing the prosthetics and making themselves look old yeah it's just like it's kind of like a parody of that oh yeah that's pretty cool no so that's that's something i've been really interested in yeah no that sounds that sounds really something worth like i love talking about something of interest mm. to you instead yeah. of like being whole scientific about something. Yeah. I love doing this and how deep it goes. So next up, how about your famous role model? Well, so I don't really have like a famous role model, but again, I think I really looked up to uh, my come off romance. Okay. Um, so I think we've already talked about that a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, um, I just think that they have like really lovely stories. Um, not lovely because most people end up dead. Um, <laughs> okay. I think they have really interesting stories. Okay. Um, and there's just a lot that goes into everything that they do there that I find really interesting. No, I love I love like bands or even artists who sort mm-hmm. of go into that deep nostalgia yeah. kind of thing and really make a story out of 
something rather than just mm. singing a love song or singing like something that they know will make them popular mm. like they really stick with a story that's going to yeah. be like that so i really love artists who do that yeah which is really interesting so i have to give chemical romance a listen and yeah. try them out i think <laughs> i'll send you some songs if you yeah, want. yeah send me through. <laughs> all right so last question is courses that you've completed okay so um i was trying to think of one that kind of influenced me and I did do um so I did in a course with uh sin uh, was it 94.9 no that's 91.9 sin sin uh so it's the student youth network okay um I can't remember what the number is no but (laughs) okay they um so I did that when I was studying journalism Mm -hmm. um to like get more of a sense of radio and here I am (laughs) I don't know how to use any of the radio equipment even though I was trained in that (laughs) um but it even though I only did a very brief time there, mm-hmm. um, I only did one show. Um, I think I learned a lot about how I work. I think as a as as someone who talks on air, mm-hmm. um, I'm very much I like listening, and I don't I don't like talking unless I have to unless I have something to say. Okay, which is funny because I'm talking a lot here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that just. Um, helped me get used to, I guess, talking to people in real life and also talking to people and hearing myself back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's a really great course because it's open for anyone. Um, and you, after that, you get to go on air and you get to give it a go. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a really great course that I did. No, Sin's really good. Yeah. Sin's really cool. It's, mm-hmm. um, if you don't know about it, Sin, it's a Sin media thing that's based in Melbourne. Is it just Melbourne? So they're based in Melbourne, like they record in Melbourne, but I think they also um, broadcast um, Australia-wide. Okay. So, yeah, they have the whole course where it teaches you how to be on radio and um, different ways that you can showcase. So it makes you a little bit more confident to be on radio, and it really is really helpful. So, yeah, if you want to give them a go, a little shout-out. Yeah. My, um, my old lecturer, who's now a friend of mine, she hosts shows on sin uh-huh so she does the cultural club okay i don't listen to them that much yeah occasionally i might tune in but i actually don't listen to the radio that much i listen to a lot of podcasts yeah i don't listen to radio either yeah <laughs> radio uh, it's funny because i studied radio but it's not something mm-hmm. that i really have an interest in yeah i did an internship and i just kind of put me out of radio yeah um i just didn't like it that much yeah <laughs> it's fun but it's not as fun as podcasting yeah podcasting is I don't know. It's just, um, you get more time. Yeah. I think it's not as stressful. Yeah. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, not this easy, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot more fun for me to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're going to get started into the nitty gritty of the questions. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, what do you think is your definition of family? So I don't think I have a, I mean, I guess the, the first thing that would come to mind is like that nuclear family, the mum, the dad, mm-hmm. the two kids. But I don't think that family actually is that. I think that family is, you know, an extended thing of people who are related to you. But it can mm-hmm. also be like anyone around you who is, I guess, in some ways closer than a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, something that um, as a kid, we didn't have extended family around us, but we we adopted grandmas. Okay. Multiple grandmas. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, who would like come to all of our Christmas things. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of times they stayed with us just cause like stuff had happened to their own houses. Um, so I would still consider them family and the same with like my friends, um, as a teenager, like 
you know, my pa- friends would call my parents mom and dad. I would call their parents mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that So I think family is more than just the people who you're blood related to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that today's definition, there's it's no longer the same as what it used to be, say, a few decades ago? Yeah, I think that, um, I think as I mentioned before, um, I think that family has, um, at least in the Western culture, Mm -hmm. has shifted a few times. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's different in different cultures as well, like what family is. Yeah. Um, But from my own perspective, um, growing up, family was, um, you know, two parents and two kids or two parents and kids Mm -hmm. in this nuclear family type situation. And then you've also got the extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Yeah. Um, who are, I guess, in what, in a sense, a step away from the nuclear family. Okay. Um, but then I think, so that's kind of what I grew up with. But I think, as I said, I don't necessarily think that that is how you, how it is now. I think that we have a slightly more broader definition. Mm-hmm. Or at least I hope that's, what, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, not being particularly interested in, cre- like, creating and my own family in the sense of having kids um exploring that definition hasn't been something that has um really been um something i've been doing mm-hmm. um but and i think so yeah so that's that's my thought there. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right so what do you think the position of a family holds in today's society so i mean i think that so kids are this blank slate you mm-hmm. start off with um and the family is really where they, they learn about things. I mean, you learn about things in school and everything, but it's really where your parents are involved. Um, that is what you, how you learn to navigate society, mm-hmm. basically. So um, in the sense that, so your family, your foundation is how you interact with, is, is the base from which you interact with society. Okay. Um, so if your parents are terrible people and make you into a terrible person, mm-hmm. then you're going to go out into society and be terrible. Yeah, um, that's a very simplistic way of saying it. But the, the, the ideas that your parents give to you is and they send you out into the world and you either have to change how you think or you stick with what they've taught you. Um, and you have to, like, you know, make that decision decision yourself mm-hmm. if you want to change. But your the way that your parents raise you is always going to influence you, um, I think, going into the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For an, for an example, my parents had a really... I don't think they were really bad, but like they did have a not great um, idea on fatness and exercise. And that's kind of affected how I've gone about my life. Okay. Um, because I am a bit scared of like, I I was always, I never liked exercising because my parents always saw it as like a shameful thing. Exercising was? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I've gotten into running and I've discovered I really like running because it makes me better at catching the train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that that's the reason. That's honestly, like, I, like, being able to, like, be like, oh, man, the train's in two minutes. Like, I have to get there. And, like, running for the train and getting on the train and not feeling like I'm about to pass out. Yeah. Is the best feeling. It's a motivation. But, like, getting to the point where I'd, I felt shame when I first started running. Mm-hmm. I felt like I just couldn't do it in front of people. Okay. So the embarrassment sort of. Just embarrassment. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, um, like, that the way that my parents have raised me there has affected like my own self image and my own image of other people. It's something mm-hmm. I'm still working on. I don't necessarily think that I'm, I'm, per- I'm not perfect. Yeah. 
Um, I still have lots of issues. Yeah. But that's something that I've had to to learn and grow from. Yeah. Yeah. And I think knowing that as well is mm. another thing. It's a thing that you've taught yourself yeah. to acknowledge the fact that you know yeah. this. And this yeah. is the difference between what you believe and what you grew up believing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's like, that's a big part. Mm. So yeah, that's how my parents have affected how I, you know, relate mm-hmm. to society. So that's, but then they've done it with so many other things in my life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So many other ways and everyone as well. So yeah, that's how, um, yeah, the family is, I guess, related to society and how it affects society. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of like the first view of what you understand the world to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if someone said that, oh, if you walk alone in the street, if your parents, like, for example, told you, you walk alone in the street at night, you can't because it's dangerous. You can, yeah. you could get killed. Mm-hmm. You would definitely be terrified of walking the street alone at night. Yeah. Can I tell a funny story? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> so when I first started dating my partner, he was like, do you want to go for a walk? And I was like, it's nine o'clock. You don't go outside at nine o'clock. Okay. <laughs> and he was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> and I was like, but it's dangerous. And it was just, I don't know if this was because he's a man and I'm a woman. And, you know, men and women and girls and boys are raised differently mm-hmm. um, in the sense that women are told to be a lot more careful going out, particularly at night. Yep. Um, or if it was just his family were a lot more carefree. Okay. Maybe he grew up in a much safer place than I did. I don't know. Yeah. But I was just completely blown away by the idea of going outside at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's... I think I grew up with the same thing as well. Like, mm-hmm. my parents always said, by when it gets to start getting sundown, you have to be home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they're just like... It's very different now because I still live with them. Mm-hmm. And they are... They don't care if I'm home at like one o'clock in the morning now. And I'm like, shouldn't you care? Well, it's a bit different, I think, as when you grow up, because like they tell you those things as a kid because you don't know what the warning signs are. Yeah. And they want to protect you. And also, no, that's a, that's a cynical view. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cynical view. Um, but now, you know, you can make your own choices. If you make a stupid choice, that's your own fault. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but also, um, you can even doing unsafe things, unsafe things in quotes, like going outside at night. Yeah. You can still make smart choices. Yeah. You can walk down lit, well-lit um, areas um, rather than taking the shortcut by the dark lake. Exactly. Um, I mean, you avoid a lake at all costs. Yeah. I think every movie has taught you that anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the differences between like, being a kid and being a grown-up amongst your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next part is, so we hear, we grow up hearing about the way a family should be. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the bigger influences to that ideology of sort of the perfect family or ideal family? So, I mean, the the way that I think I was taught growing up that the family was supposed to be or the way that I saw it depicted Mm -hmm. was a mom and a dad and then two kids Mm -hmm. um and the mom would do the dishes and be the caring one and the dad would go out and work hard and make money and I mean I think that that's a very um it's the it's not traditional because I don't think going too far back it's that traditional yeah but it's sort of what we were taught growing up and my family were kind of like that but kind of not like that Mm -hmm. um so um i think that 
I mean, I think that there is no perfect family. Yeah. Um, I think that if a family did look like that is not a perfect family. No. <laughs> there are secrets there. Yeah, there are issues there. Yeah. Um, probably a lot of resentment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that is sort of the historical idea of the perfect family, which I think is incorrect. I think that maybe the perfect family for me mm-hmm. is a family where at least the, the, the parents involved mm-hmm. or the adults involved have a partnership where they both work to their own skill set. Um, but it's a part, it's a partnership. Yeah. It's not a hierarchy. Yes. Um, you both make decisions. You both, um, have equal say, um, and you don't necessarily stick to like the, the feminine role and the masculine role, mm-hmm. um, just because that, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a big part of I think mm-hmm. today's society, whereas mm-hmm. like there's no real set masculine and feminine role yeah as much as there used to be like mm-hmm. i grew up with my mom staying home mm-hmm. my dad working my mom knew that okay dad was gonna be home a certain time and dinner had to be ready mm. and we grew up like that like i came yeah. from home from school they were we did our homework and had dinner went to bed like that was pretty much the general ideal ideology and that's how a lot of my friends also grew up as well and i think because the community i grew up in was a religious community mm-hmm. so we all had like our very um feminine and masculine roles set exactly what the wife was supposed to do exactly what the husband mm-hmm. was supposed to do and everyone did that yeah and i think it wasn't until i started getting older that i started seeing okay there are divorced families that exist there are people that don't relationships that don't work out and i'd never actually met a child who whose parents were divorced so mm-hmm. I never knew that that was a, like, how would they function? Because, mm-hmm. like, usually you function with, like, two complete sets of parents mm. being there, not, like, two different houses. Yeah. But then, like, as you get older, you see so many more different. Like, I went to high school and I think it was a completely different view again. Yeah. Because I was, like, majority of kids at that time had their parents divorced. Yeah. And I didn't know that that, I didn't know that that was a thing, that that was something that did exist. Mm-hmm. I was like, these kids, how are they like functioning? How are the families functioning? But how like a lot of them were going through life exactly the same way I was. Mm. So I did, I, I think I grew up very reserved in a way of not knowing the different ways families existed. And I think it was similar to you or was it very different? Um, I'm trying to think. So I, I, so my, my, my dad is a priest, but we weren't actually particularly, um, religious. Mm -hmm. So it's not the same sort of, um, like religious designation. So my dad, um, my mom was always the one who actually made the money. So she was the worker in the family. Okay. Um, so I don't remember this very particularly clearly, but I don't remember my mom being around a lot as kids Mm -hmm. when we were quite young. It was more my dad. And then also when we moved, we got helpers in Hong Kong. Okay. And then, so we also spent a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. So my dad was always the one who was doing stuff like, he did a lot of the more feminine tasks in a sense, because he was the one cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one who looked after us a bit more. Um, I think then as we got a bit older and my mom had a, she got a slightly less demanding job. Mm-hmm. Um, then she did it like the more cleaning stuff. Um, in that sense, um, people often would actually say to me, um, you know, 
It's so you're so lucky to have a dad who knows how to do all these things, like you know, make jewelry and make clothes. Yeah, and is interested in that kind of stuff. And um, I was just like, well, that's just how it is. I just that's that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but in another sense, it was quite traditional because even though my mom was the one who made all the money, um, my dad was still the head of the house. Okay. He was still the one who made. I'm not saying that they weren't a partnership, um, but so my parents have now divorced. <laughs> so. And they did that when I was an adult. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot about my parents in that time because my parents would come to me and talk to me about their relationships. Yeah. Um, so something that I discovered was that even though my parents, particularly my dad, thought that they were a partnership, um, my mom always felt a bit more um, like she had less control over what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more my dad, I guess, who was the... He wasn't trying to be controlling, but I think he was a more forceful personality. Okay. Um, and so for my mom, leaving her relationship, leaving this relationship, she got to actually explore some of who she was mm-hmm. and, um, you know, got to decorate the house how she wants and gets to make some of her own decisions. Um, and I think that's just part of being in a family as well yeah. is I think all of us, all four of us, there's four mm-hmm. of us in the family, yeah. um, all were a bit different. None of us were exactly how we wanted everything to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing apart slightly means that we get to like control our own lives and do what we want. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I can't remember the beginning of the question. Oh, no, um, I think it was um, the ideal family. Yeah. So what a family should look like compared so to what it does. That's what my family was like. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think it's hard. <laughs> It's it's very interesting because, like, the whole, um, I think, for me, it was my dad. I, my dad still went shopping with us. Like, he mm-hmm. did do a lot of stuff with us. Um, but it was always my mom who had the control. Mm-hmm. And it was very much, even though my mom didn't work, she stayed home. Mm-hmm. She had the complete control. Like, my dad was, I think my dad saw it as a partnership. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that um, my sister and I both saw it is that there was a hierarchy and you mm. knew who was like I think the there's a movie called um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding mm-hmm. where they had like the man is the head of the house but the woman is the neck uh-huh. and she can change the head any way she wants and that's pretty much how the dynamic of my family was mm-hmm. like dad had a say but mum had the final say so you wanted anything you asked dad butter it up a bit and then you mm-hmm. asked mom and there was nothing that you could get past her because uh-huh. he would tell her everything so then you'd never know what she knew mm-hmm. so yeah it was it grew up very like I don't think we were restricted a lot in a lot of ways I think we just we were given the sense of ideal and of an ideal family Mm. and that's all we knew yeah um we knew that okay mum ruled this she had all the power Mm. um but I think my whole idea of like what the ideal family came to be it definitely changed when I hit um high school Mm -hmm. and I saw so many of my friends getting married really young And then that was the big part where I was like, okay, so they get married straight out for high school. I don't want to do that, but that's apparently what 
everyone around me is doing. Mm -hmm. So that's where I thought, okay, this is what ideal family, this is when a family should start. Which was not like, I mean, thinking about it now, it's definitely not when a family should start. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has their own opinion, but definitely I was definitely not ready Mm -hmm. to be married at 18. Yeah, no. (laughs) I'm not ready to be married now. (laughs) So that's the big thing. So I think like when we're talking about everyone has their different path like you said I think we said behind the scenes like before the recording that you were a lot more mature Mm -hmm. for your age than you were Mm -hmm. than the age that you were and I think um, we started speaking about how adulthood everyone says adulthood starts at 18 yeah but it really doesn't yeah oh I I never had a boyfriend growing up like as a as a teenager Mm -hmm. and I had a very I think idealized version of what I wanted to happen, mm-hmm. I guess. I never wanted to have like the on and off relationships. I never wanted a, a short term relationship. I just wanted to be straight into a um, a long term relationship, I think. Yeah. I'm not saying I wanted to be married immediately. Actually, I didn't want to be married immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I didn't want to be wasting my time with someone who um, I wasn't wanting to be with, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think that in some ways that is quite mature. I didn't want to just like shack up, not shack up. I didn't want to like just date anyone just because. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that is, I guess, I guess in a way mature. I don't know. I think so. I think it's a lot more mature in a sense that you know what you want yeah. at that age. And I just, um, and I think that going into my relationships, I... Um, had a, an ideal version of what I wanted, mm-hmm. which was someone who I trusted, who I loved, who I want to be with forever. Yep. Um, and I mean, there are a lot of more things in that as well, mm-hmm. but um, that was what I was aiming for mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to settle for anything else. Yep. And I guess that's part of my family is that I didn't want, because this person, even if we don't marry, even if we don't have kids, you're still a family, um, The your long-term partner. Yeah. And so I had, I did have ideals. And for me, those ideals were um, someone who was, I guess, not sexist. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, who, you know, we share we share lots of things. We share, we have open communications about what we want, what we don't want. Um, we share responsibilities like cleaning, washing. I didn't, I, I absolutely abhorred the idea. Is that, that the correct word? Abhorred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The idea of... Um, being the person who has to clean everything, to look after everything, to... Yeah. I just, oh, like, I don't necessarily need to be with someone who can do everything. I just need someone who at least puts in, like, effort into that. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. So that, for me, that's my ideal family, is someone, is, is two adults where you share everything, you trust everything, you have responsibilities that you both agree to. Yeah. Um... You're not one person controlling another person or one person taking all of the burden. Yeah. Or one person yeah. doing the work, one person doing the work at home. Yeah. Like, I would hate to be in that kind of... So, I, I mean, as a as as a younger person, not mm-hmm. necessarily as a child, but um, I, I definitely had a thing against the working, like the, the person working from home, like the person, the homemaker. Yeah. Um, particularly as a, as a woman, mm-hmm. the homemaker, I was really against it. I yes. realized growing up that... It's not the being the homemaker. It's the not having the choice to do it or the choice not to do it. Yep. 
people should, if they want to, if they want to, they should be able to be mothers. Yeah. They should be able to be a homemaker, look after their home, look after their kids. I just don't think that it should be just the women. I just think, I don't think it should be something that's expected of every woman. Yeah. I think that if a, or if, or you should do every single part of it. Um, yeah. I think that if you want to do 50% of the mothering, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a man and you want to have, you want to be the main parental figure who looks after the home, that's fine. That's great. Yeah. It's just about having the choice and yep. not doing it just because it's expected of you. Yeah. And I think that's a really big thing as well. Mm. Like a lot of it is when you grow up, you see this is what you expect. Like society expects this mm. and this. And I think yeah. in a way they still do. I mean, yeah. we're still trying to, I think there are still a lot of men who are still trying to convince society that I, them not working is not them just being lazy and slacking off. It's mm-hmm. meaning they want to be, spend time with yeah. their kids. Exactly. And I think we definitely... We give men, we do, okay, we do give men a hard time in terms yeah. of them. We call them lazy for not wanting to be, to work and mm-hmm. to be around. And I think I've seen a lot of articles where there are just people, just women being like, oh, this men are just lazy. They just don't want to work when the woman's working. I'm like, if it's their choice to do it, she yeah. chooses to work. He chooses to stay home. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Like as long as they know that they're doing this for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I think I was lucky in a way to have one parental figure full-time there with me growing up. Yeah. And I think it was really nice to be able to have that. I do, like, a lot of my friends, they had two two of their parents working. Mm -hmm. And it was very different. Like, they barely spent time with them. Mm. They barely saw them, for example. Like, a lot of them were relying on the oldest child to look after them Mm. to look after the younger kids or look after the other kids and I was glad that I had my mom home Mm. I think for the time that I was really young and did need her yeah I do think so both my parents basically worked Mm full-time as a kid so um yeah I've kind of sometimes wanted like one parent who would like you know pick you up after school and make you sandwiches (laughs) Um, which my parents did sometimes, but like maybe not as much as other people. Like, I feel like my parents weren't as involved in my childhood as some other people. Mm -hmm. Not to say that's good or bad. It's just how I felt it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I feel like if you can, it is really great to have one parent who can stay at home and look after the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think, or both, um, you know, I just think that having the time, Again, why would you have kids if you can't spend time with them? Yeah. That's that's something that I felt feel, feel something I feel is like, you know, if you're going to have kids, spend time with them. Yeah, like don't I know like I think everyone has I think this falls into a lot of the love language thing. Like a mm-hmm. lot of parents they feel gift giving is their mm. thing, which means you work hard for the yeah, to compensate for the fact that you're not there. Mm-hmm. And I think it becomes a cycle as well. Like a lot of kids just want their parents there. Yeah. But the parents are thinking, I work hard. I can buy my kid this. Yeah. And so it's finding that balance where it's like you spend time with them where while also mm-hmm. um, buying stuff for them. And I think that's really hard in this society. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking at articles the other day and there are people that the rent's going up like twice as much as it yeah. was a couple of years ago. And it's insane mm. the amount of things that amount of things that are on parents' shoulders yeah. today. Whereas you could buy like a full house <laughs> like two decades ago. Yeah. 
for half is for half the price. Yeah. So there's a lot riding on, and I think it does damage the relationship with mm-hmm. kids and parents. Yeah. For sure, because like you're not able, like you said, I think you said earlier at the beginning that the child, the parent is the first child, is the child's first look into how the world is, mm-hmm. and if that's how they see, if that's how they perceive the world. That's how they'll see it, pretty much mm. influence them forever. Yeah. So there's that sort of. There's a lot that can happen with yeah. the child. Like it's a first impression. Yeah. Of everything, mm. and first impressions, like they say, are always the most imperative for mm. how everything goes in the future. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Raising a bunch of materialistic children. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so the next question is. Yeah. What causes change in a family structure? Um, so I'm going to take this to the. I'm going to take this to a more personal family level. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say time. Okay. Because. Um, so this is more like as you age, right? Mm-hmm. So like when you're a kid, you really need your parents. You need them to provide for you. You need them to set the rules, so that you know you don't get caught in traffic um to take care of you basically Mm -hmm. so it's a very different relationship to as you get older you need more responsibility the kids need to be given responsibilities Mm -hmm. um so that they can learn to be adults on their own and so that's how i found was um i think my parents did it quite well like you know um as we got older, we had more responsibilities. Um, we, you know, we pushed against them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as an, as adults, um, I think there was a point where I was like, I'm going out now. And they're like, okay, bye. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to ask where I'm going? Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to say anything? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I found it really weird, I think, um, pushing against the boundaries and finding that they weren't there anymore. Okay. And yep. it took me a while to figure out how to be an adult with no, like, whose parents are there, but not necessarily providing rules. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. And I think it hits very much now with me. Like, I think lately I've been seeing that, I think the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. um, they just just don't care. Like, No, it's not that they don't care. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's that 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 you're an adult now who can make your own stupid decisions. Yeah, exactly. And it's just if it hits so different when they're mm-hmm. just like, like you said, like they don't ask where you're going. Yeah. As like, it's like the minute that you become a certain age, but it comes slowly. Yeah. And it's like first they sort of stop asking you where you're going, mm-hmm. then they ask what time you're coming home. Yeah. And then they just ask, oh, have a good time, and then yeah. you're like, where did that come from? Because usually you expect me to know exactly who you're going out with, yeah. where you're going, what time you're coming home. Um, are you able, do you, want, do you want me to pick you up? Like that kind of thing. And I think when you get older, that changes. Like, even though I'm living at home, mm-hmm. I still hardly ever see any of my family. Yeah. Like, I, I think we're all pretty much, I think, and I've had this conversation with them before, I think we're all pretty much roommates at this yeah. point. Like, we're all at a certain age where we're just there but we're just paying rent paying our half of the rent yeah and then that's it (laughs) so i've had this uh for a while um so my parents yeah they divorced um Mm -hmm. so for a while i was living living with my dad but my mom also had a room for me so i used to go stay over there as well Mm -hmm. and i found it really weird the differences between how my mom treated me and my dad treated me okay so my dad 
it was very much a roommate <laughs> mentality. Okay. Yeah. We were just like doing our own things. Um, you know, we'd have, if we were both in the house, we'd have lunch together. You know, I'd text him and be like, what are we doing for dinner? And we would make stuff together. Yep. Um, or we'd, one of us would make food and the other person would eat it. But if we weren't there, fine. Yeah. Whereas my mom was very much more still a mum, still a parent. Okay. Um, so, you know, she would be like, oh, can you come over today to do stuff with me? Um, can, and then, you know, she's like, oh, what do you want for dinner? I'll make you dinner. You know, she wanted to do family dinners, um, for a while. She tried okay. to do every Sunday, my brother and I would go over to her house and have dinner and it got too much. Okay. <laughs> Every like, this Sunday. Is, this is too much. Yeah. <laughs> we have our own lives, unfortunately. Um, and so I think she has sort of uh, stepped back a little bit and realized that we're actually adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a while, it was really weird because my dad was just like, yeah, whatever, do whatever you want. Um, yeah. Kind of thing. He has his own life as He's well. He's got his own yeah. life. Um, whereas my mom was still very much stuck in that family mentality. Okay. And the, not family, but like, like parenting, parenting yeah. mentality. Um and it did kind of mean that I didn't want, I was like 22, 23. I didn't want to be parented. Yep. So it meant that I wanted to spend more time at my dad's house because at least then I could do my own thing. And I yep. didn't feel like I had to do everything my mom wanted me to do. Okay. Um, whereas now it's a lot better, I think. Um, I think she had to realize that my brother and I were adults who were going to move out of home. Yep. And weren't going to be there every second of the day. Yeah. And um, so it's gotten a lot better, I think. Um, we're one of those families that we see each other maybe once a month. Okay. We're not we're not great at communicating, but I think we've realized that that's just how we all are mm-hmm. and it's fine. And we actually will be there when we need each other. Yep. Like I will just call my dad and say 10 o'clock at night and say, my fridge is broken. Can I bring my stuff over to your house? <laughs> or mom, um, we've got no electricity. Can I move my cat over to your house <laughs> for several days? Like, we'll always be there. Like, yeah. And my mom, we've done the same thing with, you know, my mom said she hurt her hip and I came over that day to help her. Mm-hmm. But it's much more of a, we'll always be there if we need each other, but we no, won't necessarily be in contact with each other every single day. Yeah. It's like, I'll have to check in. Yeah. You're not worried about them. Yeah. Because they're adults who can look after themselves. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like that's a big thing for me because I'm only slowly learning. But that. it took a while. It took several years, I would say. Yeah. Um, because it's new for both of you in the set, like for both you and your parents. Yes. Um, and you have to, it's hard to, you know, leave those things. And sometimes it can be comforting to, like with my dad, like um, at first, um, I would be like, what are we doing for dinner? Like, yeah. we're not home yet. And he's like, oh, I'm out for dinner. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a child. Please make me dinner. But I'm like 22. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of just got used to like making my own dinner and just like, you know, we just text each other to be like, what's happening for dinner? Yeah. So that we know what's happening. Yeah. And you just get used to it. So, and it was actually good because then I got to learn how to cook what I wanted to eat rather than what he wanted to eat. Oh, yeah. There are definitely good things and bad things about both sides. One is like, I love having someone cook for me because it's so annoying to cook for yourself yes but on the other hand being able to pick what i want to eat and not what my dad wants to eat was really nice yeah i think over the last year i've started cooking for myself now Mm -hmm. and i 
I have done such a good job. I yeah. haven't burnt the kitchen down. Yay. I'm actually, because I didn't like growing up, it was always mum's cooking. Mm-hmm. This is what she's cooking. Yeah. And like you said, like I get to decide what I'm making. So yeah. if I'm feeling like something, I can just pop down to the grocery store, buy it for one person. Yeah. Make it for myself. I'm learning to clean up after myself before I sit down and eat. Because after I eat, mm-hmm. I'm so lazy yeah. to tidy things up. So I'm like learning that whole new stage of, okay, yes, I'm still the child in the house, Mm -hmm. but I'm not the child in the house. And I think like they're slowly learning that we're not the kids in the house. There are still rules set. Mm -hmm. And I think like my family's weird at the moment because we're still, we're early in that stage of everyone. Okay. The child is the child and the parent, Yeah, but they're not like, they're still, we're still learning to treat each other all like adults. It's also a little bit difficult I think to fully remove yourself from the child parent relationship mm-hmm. when you're still living together yes like even when I go back to my parents houses now and stay there for a few days mm-hmm. I still like still part of me doesn't clean my dishes immediately <laughs> I'll be like ah uh I'll just leave it there yeah it's fine <laughs> um like it's just and I think that's something that'll always happen is you'll go to your parents' house and you'll immediately revert in some ways back to your childhood self. Yeah. Um, And that's just something that'll happen. And I think you can't, well, I think in some ways it's it's really difficult to embrace the full adult, the no longer parent-child relationship until you move out. Yes. Um, This day and age doesn't sound like I'm moving out anytime soon. Yeah. But I think possibly like, Maybe in the future, mm-hmm. in the f- next few years or so. Yeah. After I've done traveling the world a bit, <laughs> I'll travel come first. Back. Like save up money, travel first. Yes. And I didn't move out until I was like twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> got a couple years of being yeah young, dumb, and broke. Take, and take the time to like enjoy yourself now. Like yes. buy stupid shit you don't need. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm so close to buying a washing machine that's for your beauty blender just because I saw it on TikTok. Don't do that. I know. <laughs> I was so close. I saw it there and I'm like, no, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. I, I do need money at yeah. the moment. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we talked about this a little earlier, mm-hmm. but what's the whole usual impact of film culture and how does it affect sort of what we see in the whole family dynamic? now mm-hmm. um i don't know if this is something that maybe is changing now because we get to see different types of families but mm-hmm. um i mean i think that we do take cues in some ways from what we watch um and what we see around us mm-hmm. so if you get to see a family is a bit different from you i think that that you know sort of shows you a different way of being mm-hmm. i don't really have any examples of this um that I can think of. Okay. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've like, I think there's a lot of films where it shows so many different ways. Like mm-hmm. I think I always revert back to August Osage County, I think with Julia Roberts and Meryl Streep in it. It's really good, but it's mm-hmm. very intense. Okay. Like it shows a, it's about like the family house mm-hmm. and their father died. Mm-hmm. And they go back, all the kids, they all have different lives and they go back to the family house to be with the mom who's mm-hmm. left by herself. 
And the mom, they grew up in a childhood where there was a lot of emotional and physical abuse. Mm-hmm. But they still took care of their mom because their mom is getting older. So now mm-hmm. they're, but the mom doesn't remember a lot of the stuff. Also has a lot of, um, uh, she's also a drug addict as well. Mm. So she, they all have different lives, but they, when they come back, they're all suddenly being the parent to Mm. to them and they all realized that they all had different childhoods um they all had different feelings towards how the mom was like the youngest child barely remembered Mm. what was going on but the oldest child knew everything and knew exactly what to expect and um it was it's so interesting because I always revert back to that whenever I think of how family dynamics is as you get older and I think Mm. that was a really bad first impression to how family (laughs) dynamics go because it definitely influenced like, okay, so what do you do? And I think I've always wondered this, like, what do you do when you're an adult mm-hmm. and you're looking after, apparently you have your own life, mm. but the minute you go back to your family, like you said, you revert back to your yeah, childhood ways, the way that you knew. And I think it's such a great, like film definitely has an impact mm. on how you view family as well. Mm. Just because you're like, you're seeing it and you're like, okay, so this is how it's going to be when you get older. Like you're going to have to go back to being a kid and go back to looking after, or are you going to somehow live your life while still knowing that um, your parents are there? Mm. So it's like, it's very interesting to me to see how different films sort of adapt the whole idea of growing up. So it's, Slightly different film that I was, okay. I thought of. Yep. Um, so there's, I think it's a Pixar animation. Um, I think it's called Bow. I saw that. Yeah, okay. Um, it's a little dumpling one, right? It's a little yeah, dumpling yeah. one. Okay, yeah. Okay. And my brother and I both watched that and we both, like, I think we almost cried. Okay. And they were like, we have to call my mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, we both watched, I guess, how she, she's very protective of this dumpling. Yeah even as he gets older. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of reminded of us, us of our mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was also a cultural rep- representation thing. Um, yeah. Like we don't see many, I guess, Chinese moms, um, at least yeah. when we were growing up, um, mm-hmm. acting like she did, where she's like very protective yeah. and almost doesn't let them grow up. Yeah. And then eventually you have to accept that, that they have grown up. Mm-hmm. But then you want to go back sometimes and, yeah. you know, yeah. be together. Yeah. So I think that was one that really, um, yeah, both my brother and I both said that. <laughs> it's like you we call her to... straight away. Hey, mom, can we come for dinner? <laughs> you have dumplings? <laughs> I'll get some. It's okay. And she would 100% do that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think it's like for that dynamic, like mm. that's a huge thing to sort of see how much you look back at your childhood like I think I remember watching um Inside Out Mm -hmm. and seeing how the girl grew up with all these different things in her head all these Mm -hmm. different emotions and then how her parents sort of dealt with it as well Mm. and I always thought it was so interesting because the parents had their own little things and they had talking and they all had different ways of dealing with situations Mm. yeah and this child is here trying to figure out how the heck she deals with Mm. her situations mm-hmm. not knowing that there's different things that she could feel yeah through it 
And I think those are the two movies that I always seem to somehow relate to. Yeah. And I think I cried multiple times watching Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Just especially like when she's running away from home and all spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it though, like at this point, go see it. (laughs) Like it's so, it's such a, I think Disney does it really well Mm. when it has the whole family dynamic. Yeah. They really show... Like, even Lion King, they showed, like, the mentorship and things that parents are meant to have Mm -hmm. with their kid. And, yeah, so it definitely has... For me, it has a huge impact on how you see Mm -hmm. family and sort of an, I think, ideal family Mm -hmm. and what your description of family would be. Mm. Yeah. All right. So the next question. I think we spoke about this, but the whole white pick offense... Mm-hmm. kind of ideal that like you see in I'm gonna go to a movie again but you yeah. see in a lot of movies how they have the whole ideal family I think what was that movie how they turned like they were black and white and they slowly started to have color color in them do you remember the whole like thing was black and white I forgot the name of it now I mean two things come to mind but I don't think they're it because it's the Wizard of Oz and WandaVision. No, definitely not that. <laughs> Earlier not than like, that. No. It's the guy like Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He was in it. And I think I'm going to get roasted so hard in these comments because yeah. people are going to say what the name is. But yeah, it's like that whole idea of, okay, the white pick offense, that perfect life mm-hmm. of like the husband coming home and like the 1950s kind of. Yeah era where everyone's wearing dresses everyone's like constantly like there's that whole sort of societal expectation set i forgot edwards is a hands no (laughs) okay um i'll remember it at the worst time possible yeah but yeah it's like so why do you think that that used to be the whole main sort of view of family i mean propaganda Okay. Like, I think that it was very easy for, I think that, I don't know. I think that there was a strong move for that kind of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe, you know, maybe consumerism, you know, trying to, I guess, push everyone to buy stuff Mm -hmm. was very much where that comes from. I only have a half, I, I only have half an idea for this. Okay. So I don't know if I can elaborate much more on that. I think that, um, yeah, I think that there was definitely something about that era and that time that it was after the war. I think we wanted lots of babies, you know, recovery and everything. And then the birth of like advertising um, and, you know, buying the perfect house and the perfect car and the perfect makeup for your 1.2 family. Yeah. 2.2. 2.5 I don't know um mm-hmm. and yeah I think and building a country I guess based on that as well yeah but I don't don't have much more thoughts than that so yeah okay I think that's a big part of it yeah but selling advertising is a big part for mm-hmm. sure okay so now we're heading into the open mic yeah. section mm-hmm. and it gives you a chance to talk about anything that you are interested in mm-hmm. um I think we've got a couple of minutes okay left yeah. So I'll be quick. Yes. Head on to anything that you want to talk about. Okay. So I thought I'd um, just do a little promo for my podcast. <laughs> um, just in case anyone's interested in listening to me talk a bit more. But I promise I 
uh, let the guests talk most, so it's okay. <laughs> um, so the podcasts are um, Room by Room, which is about home organization. Mm-hmm. And um, we've also got On the House, which is about home management. And they sound very similar. So what is the difference between them? So the way I think about it is um, home management or household management is how the household runs. Mm-hmm. So stuff like cleaning, um, maintenance, um, lots of different things. Um, yeah. Um, gardening, uh, composting, mm-hmm. cooking, meal planning, yeah. um, even finances, all of those things, home insurance, they're all part of the household management um, sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas um, home organization is more of like the actual built environment of the home. So stuff like how the building is, how the bathroom is designed how the kitchen is designed and also like how to keep it clean Mm -hmm. um i mean like decluttered Mm -hmm. so i've got a lot of episodes about decluttering and um organization so like how to keep your house nice and organized so you're not tripping over things and why that's important yep i Um, have actually used that episode uh uh-huh while i was organizing my room and like storage boxes and everything and i found that i needed i needed to listen to that so definitely Mm -hmm. go and check that out um, I found, I mean, I'm really glad I'm, I got to pick these two, um, topics because mm-hmm. like I find them the most useful. Yeah. Like, um, we also did had to do these, uh, vlog challenges, um, recently. <laughs> um, so one of them was I had to make my bed every day and you know what? I'm still doing it. Yay. And it actually, I don't know. I like having the bed nice and tidy. I never did that before. I was uh-huh. like, what's the point? But now, um, I feel like. Maybe this is not a necessarily a good thing, but I feel more invited to lie on it halfway through the day because it's nicely made. Okay. Whereas if it was yep. all rumpled, I'd be like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know how to lie on this thing. It's like, where's the room? Where's the space yeah. for it? Yeah. So in some ways it means that I can use that room for not sleeping activities, which I think was the opposite idea yep. of what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> But I don't know. I found that really enjoyable. And even stuff like uh, recently I did an interview about plants. So now I'm looking at my plants and I'm like, okay, how can I improve you mm-hmm. to make you better? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I really enjoy my podcasts. So you should listen to them. Yeah, I think I don't think I have any better person to be able to do those two shows mm-hmm. apart from Gabriella. Honestly, like listening to how she asks the questions is amazing. So if you guys haven't checked it out, I will have the links down below and you guys can go give that a little and and tell them that i sent you just like comment down below and say that i've sent you down to listen because honestly like the way that she delivers everything is amazing oh thank you yeah (laughs) uh so thank you gabriella for joining me thank you for having me and thank you for sort of talking about family dynamics and opening up about like your personal life as well Mm -hmm. a little bit more and it's nice to sort of get to know i like these when i bring on the get when i bring on like the other hosts because i get to know you guys a little bit more as Mm -hmm. well and i think um a lot of the audience gets to hear listen to more about you and i think it's very interesting Mm -hmm. like the whole idea of family is just very interesting to me so like i love my two two areas um if you haven't seen it it's, i've got family and parenting and i'll have them linked down below as well just a little plug for my own little shows go <laughs> <Get> listen yeah <laughs> so yeah thank you guys so much for listening and if you have any comments or if you want to know anything else just comment down below or um on, on uh, youtube you can definitely comment i don't know about the other ways but 
uh, head down to YouTube and just comment down below anything that you want to ask um, either Gabriella or myself and we'll hopefully get back to you. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys in the next episode. You've been listening to All Together, the Family Science Insights podcast produced by Family Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at fa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.